All righty, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Canadian Bowler Podcast. I'm back. It's me, Luke Caldwell, and I'm here with somebody new today, Mr. Michael Patuli. How you doing? Fantastic. How are you doing, Luke? Oh, you know, not so bad. It's crappy out, snowing, and, uh, you know, I don't like it too much, but it's all right. It's been a long time since I think me and you've hosted the show together. It's got to be months. Have we ever hosted the show together? I think we've done it at least once together. I don't know. I didn't think Daryl would ever let us do it. I didn't think he had that much trust in us. So, But anyways, we're back. We're here. And yeah. All right, guys. Before we get started, we got to cover some basic stuff here. You got to remember, if you haven't already, the little subscribe button down at the bottom. Little red thing. Just click that for us. We really do appreciate it. That uh, And there's a little notification bell to the right of it. If you click that, you get notified anytime we go live or post any videos on the channel. And uh, don't forget to hit that thumbs up button. Likes go a long way for us. We appreciate those. And if you're not available to listen to the whole podcast today, uh, we're available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcast. Mike, you're pretty. Uh, you like this topic? Yeah, so, no, so, I've been I've been following this topic pretty hard. So let's talk British Isles, and you're gonna have to give me a rundown because I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, so since the beginning of the year, there's been uh, some pretty interesting developments with uh, the British Isles, specifically with their junior international series that they have every year. Um, so at the beginning of the year, they announced that there's going to be some slight changes uh, coming, and then pretty much got announced just over a week ago, and there was very significant changes made. Uh, so they used to have 24 players selected from each country, and it was cut down to 12, so cut in half. And then that was not well received by a vast majority of the, the membership. So a lot of the just common bowlers and seems to be the common sentiment when you read around online is that a lot of people don't agree with it. And then it doesn't look like there was uh, very much consultation or any sort of um, just the people weren't really brought in on the, the conversation about cutting it down at all. So that was a bit of a shock for a lot of people and a lot of people were not impressed by it. And then kind of add uh, another layer of complexity to it. After they announced everything, all the different uh, bulls associations started making statements about the announcement and how the voting process went. And then uh, if you go and read the different statements, I think there's statements from the Welsh association, the Irish association and the English association. And they all kind of have different accounts of what exactly happened with the voting and, who uh, made what decisions. And mm. it's, it's interesting because you get the, the perspective that a couple of them didn't agree with the changes, but then a couple of them wanted the changes to occur. So it's uh, it's quite the quite the interesting uh, scenario. If you do read the different websites, like there's, as I was saying, statements on pretty much any of the Bulls Association websites. And then there are some Facebook groups, which actually have some interesting dialogue as well. Yeah. Um, so, like, what do you what do you think that really does to like uh, like the bowl associations as a whole? Of it, does that like do you think that's going to like limit um, like national team experience for some of the younger players or or for less players? Is that like the biggest issue with it, or am I kind of reading this wrong? No, you're you're reading that correctly. That's a huge blow to anyone that kind of wants to break into that national team in any of those countries. Because if you think about that, that's twenty four players getting their probably their first shots at an international experience each year and if you're cutting that down to 12 that's probably going to especially in countries like england scotland wales ireland you're looking at probably the pretty elite crowd are going to be those top 12 type of people so if you're say a younger player who's just starting to come on the scene maybe three four years into your career and you're you're just starting out to come on the up and up that's probably going to be your event to maybe get your first foot in the door and sort of move forward from that and if you're cutting it down to 12 it could be pretty hard for the developmental type of player so i see it as yeah. a big blow to bulls in uh the uk because that's they, did they developing did they straight up like give a reason as to why they decided to uh, limit the numbers or is it just a rash decision like the the statement from like Bulls England, uh, when they kind of announced it, was that they're trying to balance like having it being equal across genders because there was a, a little bit of a difference in how the female and male version of the event went. Mm. Uh, there was, I think, more males were 
participating than females. I could be wrong with that. Um, I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head here. And then it's trying to like sort of balance that. And then I think a lot of it's got to do with the money that's behind it because right. 24 players, that's not a small amount of players. And I could see that probably be a pretty expensive or costly event. Yeah, so I can sure. see that probably being the problem. But like if we were to put that into a Canadian perspective, like really that'd be like the North American challenge if we chop that down in half. So 10 players or whatever it is per side and we cop chop that down to five i think me and you would have been hard pressed back when we were on the national team to get any sort of international experience if something like that happened yeah that's for sure i mean i guess really the question that um really comes out of it is how important are those events to uh the players and the uh, bulls associations as a whole like for the bulls association is it more important to save money or is it more important to develop your program i guess is the big question there yeah no it's probably that's the, the line that they're drawing almost is that prioritizing other events and sort of the more elite bowling is something they're, they're probably going after rather than the developmental route and sort of working on your grassroots and bringing players up so yeah it's an, it's an unfortunate trend that i think could continue and i i really hope it it doesn't but it's something that i could see happening uh, yeah, down the can, line, even in other countries i think you and i could both uh, like you said i think we could feel for those athletes just because if that event wasn't there there'd be a lot of players like you and i who may may, may or may have never gotten a shot to play um for their international team so yeah it's kind of uh, a bit devastating for people like that yeah like hopefully we'll we'll get a little more info as it goes along here like uh uh, I've been talking with a few of the players I've played with that are in England and different countries in the UK there. So I hopefully we'll have a little more info in future shows and be able to give a little more info down the line. But this is just sort of my my scanning of the internet that we've got here to go off of. Yeah. Um, I guess we could move move past that for the time being. If anybody has any questions, I want to throw them in the chat. Uh, we have a resident expert, Michael Petulli, here. So he'd be more than happy to attempt to answer those questions for you. Um, but I guess moving forward, we can talk about the uh, the kickoff of the uh, the UBC that's finally come back after all of its cancellations and postponements. So that's uh, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, no, they released uh, sort of had the update to the website with schedules and everything like that. So that was cool to see all the the different updates they had on there. It's uh, nice to look forward to that event being back because really, I think we saw the first iteration of it and then they've had to cancel it a couple times now. Mm -hmm. So it'll be great to see it go and specifically with that North American content in there. Yeah, we got uh, Mr. Mike McNorton. He used to be a member of the Heritage Lawn Bowling Club. He's a Canadian national team member, and he currently resides in California somewhere. But a friend of ours, Mike, uh, good luck if you're listening. Uh, we wish you the best of luck in that. And uh, if you want to you know, record some stuff for us while you're there, that'd be kind of cool. Uh, no pressure, though. Yeah, when I was looking at the website, that was the one thing I kind of smiled at, was if you look at their, their listing for their team, it says Mike McNorton's from the USA and uh ryan besters from canada so um, apparently apparently mike lost his citizenship in his uh <laughs> couple of years that he's lived in america there no no kidding that's actually kind of funny i didn't realize that but that is funny especially that they have ryan as a canadian yeah that's i'm looking forward to watching the event because i think on the last show we talked about the the teams we're excited to see and there's definitely some powerhouse teams in there so it's going to be interesting to see how the uh I guess the lesser-known teams sort of stack up against these teams because I think it was the last UBC event wouldn't have been a team that I picked out of the bunch to win that ended up winning. So uh, it'll be interesting how they all sort of stack up against each other down the line and see who ends up winning the games. Who do you have as your favorite going into it, Mike? Like last show we talked about it, I don't think you can really argue with there's about three or four of the teams there. Like Warilla's team is quite good. Uh, and then you've also got like uh, Steamers, or I guess what is the Ryan's team? I don't even know what it's called in this, but Ryan's team yeah, with Alex, sure. uh, Alex and Kevin there. Like you, you've got three or four really good teams that all could really honestly just run away with it. And uh, I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, definitely going to be some good bowls. Uh, everybody, uh, if you haven't seen the UBC before, it's a slightly different take on. Um, on the Lawn Bowls game. If you uh, know anything about uh, 
friends of the show, the Phoenix Bulls Championship, very similar format to that. Um, so if you like that format, be sure to check that out. And uh, I think it's all streamed on Facebook. Yeah, no, um, the Phoenix is honestly, if you're enjoying it or you watch the UBC and you enjoy it, Phoenix is your best opportunity to try that out in Canada this year because they've got a full schedule of events coming out. So if you do like what you see when you're you're watching the UBC, definitely check out the Phoenix here and maybe put in an entry or two because that's that's exciting too in the summer here. Perfect. Well, I guess we can uh, we can move on to the interview. Uh, we do have an interview today with uh, Natalie Chesney. Um, Mike, do you want to give a little bit of uh, some insight to our viewers about who that is? Yeah, no, um, Natalie's a Bulls England player, uh, Commonwealth Games gold medalist. I think it was 2010 in Delhi she won. So uh, quite an accomplished bowler out of England there. Uh, she's been selected to Commonwealth Games in Birmingham coming up here. So she's uh, quite an accomplished bowler out of England there. And uh, it was her and Daryl, I think, are in this interview. So it's pre-recorded again. So um, not able to interact with her directly. But uh, if you do have any questions... Uh, <laughs> We can pop them in the chat. We can try and pass them along too. Uh, Natalie, welcome to the show. Thank you for, for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Daryl. It's great to be here. Um, so uh, to kick off our interviews, uh, we usually like to pass it over to you. For anybody that may not know who you are um, in the world of bulls, um, Give us an idea of, of who Natalie is. Well, that's a tough one. I'm not sure I'll be able to answer that in two minutes, but um, very complicated, of course. Um, so, yeah, my name is Natalie. Um, I've been playing bowls since I was nine years old. So um, I'm 32 now. Yeah, um, you tend to forget, don't you, as, <laughs> as the age uh, <laughs> ticks over. Um, so, yeah, I've been playing bowls, obviously, for a huge part of my life. And, you know, I've been incredibly lucky to be able to travel with it and meet some amazing people along the way from, from all over the world. Um, I've obviously been very very fortunate to have played in in a few Commonwealth Games as well um, and World Championships which is has been an amazing experience and um, yeah it's it's a fantastic sport that I think is very undervalued actually certainly in this country and, and probably in in others as well um, you know obviously seen as an older person sport so and, and you know even now 23 years on I'm still a little bit embarrassed about playing bowls which is is really sad um, I think uh, you know, less so than when I was a teenager, for sure. I was never told anybody. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's a funny old sport, isn't it? You obviously know it, know it well as well, and, and the listeners do too. But um, yeah, I, I, for my sins, I love it. <laughs> I'm filling a, a couple gaps here. We've got um, a bronze at the 2012 World Bowl Championships, uh, one gold and two silver at uh, Commonwealth Games. Five gold uh, British Isles Championships, and uh, just recently, obviously named to the twenty twenty two Commonwealth Games team in uh, Birmingham. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's weird seeing it in a list. You, yeah, you kind of, yeah, it's it's weird. <laughs> um, so you, you touched on it. You've been bowling since you were uh, the age of nine, roughly twenty three years uh, in the sport. Yeah. Um, Early on, I mean, uh, a, a big victory came re really early on in your career. Uh, I think it was the age of 21 uh, when you won in Delhi. And it just, I, w I don't want to say you hit the scene, but uh, outside of England, probably everybody just said, holy smokes, uh, who is this person? Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> at what point did you early on realize that you were not only just really good at the sport, but that you could probably play with um, some of the best players in the world? Um, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of an interesting question because it's it's actually quite hard to pinpoint, I suppose. And you know, I've always been, I guess, a pretty confident individual. Um, not necessarily just in bowls, but you know, just just day to day, I kind of have self belief and you know, back myself to to have a go at anything really. And um, yeah, obviously went to Delhi and nobody knew who I was and. I'll never ever forget actually that um, at the time Gail Jilks who was um, the ladies team manager had said that quite a well-known commentator in the sport had 
made a comment to her that um, England must be desperate if they'd picked me for the singles. <laughs> um, and I was like, oh, that's a bit mean, isn't it? Yeah. Um, this is obviously before, before, you know, everything happened. And um, to be honest, I think, I, you know, I just felt so lucky to be there. You know, it was my first major event and, um, out, you know, outside of obviously playing in kind of British Isles tournaments at home and, I honestly just thought if I can get through the group stages, like that is my goal, you know, that's going to be amazing. Just not to embarrass myself, you know, on the world stage, really. Um, you know, that, that obviously happened and I was like, Oh, thank God, you know, if you, it's, you know, I've not, I've not been embarrassing. And, um, you know, then I kind of got into the quarterfinals and, and played Wales and, and obviously won that one. And then I kind of think, I was like, Oh, you know, this is going quite well, actually. Um, but it was just so unexpected. Um, and and then I played um, CT from Malaysia, who obviously I think had won the past two gold medals in the singles in the semi-final. And, you know, I think I was just kind of in this just amazing kind of headspace of, you know, let's see what happens, you know, give it my best. And whatever happens, you know, I've really enjoyed it and it's been an incredible experience. And, I was just, I had nothing to lose, to be honest, because it was my first games. No one expected anything. Um, and I think when when I, you know, managed to kind of scrape through that game somehow, um, I think then I was like, crap, like, <laughs> I've got a medal. You know, whatever happens in the final, like, I've got a medal, which, you know, even to this day, like, I still kind of... Um, I get a bit emotional about it, I think, because it was just such an incredible time and i had you know quite a few family members that have been really lucky that they'd kind of been able to come out and support me and i know there's a photo you know of um, me like hugging my like mom and dad and brother and a couple of my cousins and an auntie made out there as well so it was just such a whirlwind and um yeah i was on cloud nine for quite a long time after that but i think really it was yeah it's probably that kind of semi-final game where i honestly thought like i deserve to be here um I don't think I'd really felt like that before then because I just felt like I'd, you know, got a bit lucky maybe to get there and had had a few, you know, a few good games. And then I was like, oh, God, yeah, um, this is this is real. <laughs> I need to start putting my finger out a bit. Yeah. Um, speaking about Delhi and um, uh, and then subsequently after that, Glasgow, um, you win a gold in Delhi. You have two silver in Glasgow and just by the narrowest of margins um, uh, in those games. Um, I f During my research, I, I found a paper that you wrote from uh, 2012, um, which outlined pretty much all the stuff that you did. And it was um, incredible to read all the preparation, the stuff that went into it, um, where yeah. you played, how you played, trying to get used to not only Delhi, but then Glasgow. Um, what was your preparation like uh, leading into those two games? So I think um, in 2010 for Delhi, we, I think I um, would probably be correct in saying that I think we probably had the biggest budget like we've ever had or even since have had for a Commonwealth Games. Um, so, you know, the reality is that money wins medals. You know, if you've got good people you know good natural ability then you know the reality is if you've got money to kind of prepare them as best as possible and and have lots of high level competition you know training around the world then that that you know that's the best best opportunity you can obviously ever get so yeah we were really lucky in delhi to have that and we had um we went over to delhi before the games and had you know a tournament there and some training with a few other teams um we went to the australian open we went out to spain for for an event and had you know some competition there um and we had you know quite a lot of stuff obviously at home as well and i think it was just the exposure to regular high level competition and you can't replicate that you know you can't replicate that when you're just playing against yourselves or you're playing against you know other players in in your country or your area um you can't get yourself into that headspace so i think it's very difficult um, unless you're actually in that situation so so yeah for delhi for sure you know we're on brand new greens no one had ever played on them they'd literally just been built so it's not like those greens were like anything else anyone had really ever played on and, and probably ever have since um 
so yeah we were just very fortunate i think to have that you know to have that budget to to kind of back up our our extensive training program and i actually i was in university at the time and i deferred my last year of university to focus on the games um and um you know that meant that obviously i had no problem tracing around the world um playing bowls whenever you know whenever i needed to and i did some traveling in australia i spent a few months there before the aussie open and, and obviously got acclimatized to the greens a bit um so yeah it was it was a once in a lifetime opportunity to kind of have all of that preparation um and in a time in my life where i had no other commitments um so yeah i i went back to university obviously the the year after to to finish my degree but yeah we were i, I mean i'd never be able to do that again you know if we got that sort of budget still being amateur players there's no way that i'd be able to take 10 weeks off work you know to to fly around the world and play but obviously at that, that time it was possible um and then you know the reality is glasgow um we had significantly less money but we're on our home greens you know i know it wasn't obviously in england but the greens obviously in scotland are you know identical um so we were able to play on those in some test events and to be honest it was just as good practice to obviously play you know play on the on the greens at home as well um so yeah i think that you know tactically obviously we could play the same game and um we got to spend quite a lot of time together as a team as well prior to the, to those games and i think glasgow was I think one of the only games, I don't know if it's the only, but we all medalled in Glasgow, which I'm not sure has kind of ever happened before and certainly not since. So, um, you know, it just goes to show, I think, what what you have as a home advantage, really. So fast forward to today and you're getting ready to not only come out of a pandemic situation where people were locked down and, and not a lot was going on, but yeah. you're married, you have a beautiful daughter, um, you're working. Um, what's the preparation like um, going into the 2022 games? I mean, obviously, you know, we've not perhaps had as long to prepare as I think, you know, John McGuinness, our high performance manager, perhaps would have planned. Obviously, you know, two years ago, th there was no bowls at all. <coughs> Excuse me. So we all had a season off, um, which actually, you know, looking back in, in hindsight, actually, my Jamie and I were both very fortunate you know we just had Eliza and actually we got to spend so much more time with her than we ever, ever would have done if it hadn't have been for the pandemic and I don't think either of us um feel that not bowling that that summer was a negative to be honest and um, we we very much enjoyed the break um but you know it, I think everybody kind of came back to to bowls last year with a sort of renewed sense of uh, you know desire and will to win and and looking forward to kind of being out in the fresh air again and, and being competitive um you know I think you obviously yeah you you realize what you miss don't you when um you know this especially the social side is taken away because I think you know it's human nature very base level we all have a desire to socialize and be around other people and you know bowls for a lot of players is how you know how we socialize and I've got some great friends and, and you know people that I would have I went from seeing kind of two or three times a week in the summer to not seeing for months um so yeah it was was obviously very odd but I think you know we, so we had some you know we had had quite a lot of training camps last last summer with with the squad um, which then was a squad of eight obviously before it was um cut down to the final team of five and um and this year we've got um we've actually got a team building weekend next weekend in london which is not bowls related um so that's just going to be great to to spend some time together and, and have a yeah have a bit of fun hopefully um and then yeah i think in may uh, kind of kicks off our, our sort of official playing program um, and I think pretty much every other weekend we've got training camps um, whether it be sort of um, with against regional teams or we've got some tri-nations events I know Australia are coming over in May and um, we've got something in June I think with with the home nations as well so um, it's going to be pretty busy um, I'm trying not to think about it too much, <laughs> but obviously having a daughter, I can't, neither of Jamie or I can just sort of pop off for the weekend. We obviously have to have to make plans, but um, yeah, it's, it's going to be good. And I think, you know, we're really looking forward to getting back out on the greens and, and playing at that high level again, to be honest. Uh, you mentioned something that um, I also feel as well. Um, when everything kind of came to a halt and balls was put aside, um, I finally realized 
just how much time <laughs> was being put into bowling <laughs> yeah. weekends, whatever. Yeah. Um, it was really nice to have the break. Um, yeah. When you finally um, picked up a bowl again and um, thought about playing, um, did you feel like renewed or, or just um, energized to actually just get right back out there and, and compete again? Um, in all honesty, um, I would be lying if I said I could be bothered before I played. You know, I honestly thought, do I do I really want this? Yeah, exactly like you. You know, do I want to give up on my weekends and my evenings and, um, you know, working during the week? You know, weekends are the time that you get as a family. And, you know, did I I'd obviously had such we did both had such a lovely time having Eliza and, and getting all that time with her. And, you know, I was like, oh, oh, you know, I don't I don't know. There was a lot of groaning in our house, I think. Um, you know, do you really want to do it? But honestly, I remember vividly we we had a, a, a team sort of training camp um, in Oxford really early in the season last year, and I just loved it. You know, getting back out there, and I said, to, I remember saying to Jamie afterwards, like that has made me realise how much I still want it. And it wasn't really until I actually got back on the green and and kind of got into that competitive mindset again that I realised how much I'd missed it. Um, yeah perfect answer yeah uh, um so what were your feelings uh, about actually being selected to the commonwealth games on home soil oh i mean if obviously we are sort of um team selection was delayed a bit um and you know we were all kind of waiting with Bated breath for what felt like years, <laughs> you know, to, to find out. Obviously, it wasn't, but, um, you yeah, know, to find out whether or not we'd been selected. And I think, um, you know, when we eventually found out, um, it was just, you know, you kind of feel relief, you know, in, in the first place that, you know, that wait is over because it's such an emotional roller coaster when you're going through a selection process because, you know, you give up so much time and you, and mentally it's really tough because you're thinking it's on your mind a lot um you know and as much as you try and kind of get on with other things and and not think about it you just can't really help it and i think particularly for jamie and i where obviously there was a there was a chance that we were both going to be selected you know what impact that has on our family life as well is very unique um and as much as we don't want to be treated differently like we are in a very different situation from everyone else in the squad um you know in terms of our ability just to be able to pick up and go um so you know it's obviously a huge thing for our family to to both be selected so it was yeah it was just it was amazing and i think it's such a, a great opportunity to have a games you know at leamington spa where you know we're all really familiar with um and you know we'll be able to have eliza there with us and all our family um you know they they'll hopefully all be able to be there and it it's potentially a once in a lifetime opportunity um, you know, to play on, on our own greens, um, you know, at a time in our bowling careers where, um, you know, we're still performing, you know, performing at a decent level and feel confident that, you know, we can put everything into it and, and yeah, try and aim high, I suppose. Um, question about the team. There's 18 members and seven are from Devon. Is there something about Devon that uh, people don't know about bowls? <laughs> Um, I mean, we've been asked this a lot and um, I don't think I've really quite nailed the, the perfect answer yet. But I mean, we've got um, there's obviously, you know, Jamie is from Norfolk originally, so he very much is still a Norfolk boy and, you know, Norfolk till he dies. Um, he's, he's not a Devon boy. Um, and then Louis was from Somerset originally, but but moved down here with his wife, Kelly, um, with his parents, actually. Uh, they, they moved down here. So, um, but yeah, I mean, obviously there's, you know, myself and Sam and Soph and then Alison in the, in the VI team as well. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I think we, you know, we always had when we were younger and perhaps not so much anymore, which is really sad, but we had kind of a great pathway when we first started bowling. So Sam and I pretty much started at the same time. I think he was maybe a bit before, before me, um, but he's been playing for, you know, well over 20 years as well. And um, my brother played, who was the same age as Sophie. 
and you know we've we've all grown up together and we had a, an amazing junior section at our local indoor green when we first started and and were exposed to a lot of coaching and you know a lot of opportunities from quite a young age um you know at one point i think there was something like 65 juniors that used to go you know every saturday morning um so i think that was massive and actually a lot of the players in the england team and you know in the county team from for devon actually were part of that kind of junior program um so yeah it's it's hard to tell it really is but i think yeah we've got we've got a lot of greens we've got a lot of bowlers you know we always have really high levels of entries for our competitions so you know in order to be successful and get recognized you have to be beating really competent players at a local level um so i think it's just meant that we've obviously had to play play very well to be recognized from from the beginning to be honest fair um, so going back to the, the Calm Games, in 2010 and 2014, um, England had tremendous success. Uh, 2018 down in Australia was um, a, a bit of a down year. What's the expectation yeah. um, for, for England this year? Is it, um, you know, obviously gold is the, goal, um, the standard, that's, that's what you want to go for, but um, are, yeah. is the confidence high that uh, England's going to uh, come out and have a bounce back year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, the reality is, is that we never get whenever we've played, you know, in um, Southern Hemisphere countries, we've never had enough time to really prepare. Um, and actually, you know, the green, the surfaces are so different. And I think tactically what shots you can play and how you can play them is very different to, to what we used to at home. So it's just a very different game. And, you know, obviously we, Bowls England, sort of select the um, teams for the Commonwealth Games, you know, from players who play on greens that are, and they're very good at playing at greens that are 12 seconds, you know, whereas we go over to Australia and it might be 18 second greens, which, you know, are vastly different. Um, and it's not even like indoors, really. So it's not like you could suddenly go and pick all the best indoor players and, and do really well either. It's, it's So it's really tricky. But I think, um, you know, we've got such a strong squad this year. You know, we've got, you know, so many experienced players that have obviously, I think, pretty much everyone bar Nicky has obviously played um you know played at games before and obviously he you know he's a born winner um you know obviously his, his success at potters in the world championships over the years has, has proven that and i think whilst it's his first games um you know no one's going to doubt that if you get you know if you get him into the important games he's going to deliver so uh i've actually um we've talked to some players from australia as well and uh it almost um, mirrors exactly what you said when they say they go to the northern hemisphere um it's a struggle as well because their greens are not yeah. like that they don't know how to play the shot selection is very different um so it's not yeah. surprising that it's the opposite uh for you guys as well no well it's good it's good to hear from them they are human yeah <laughs> very true um <clears throat> well, one surprise uh that, that came up during um i guess pre-selection into the selection um that'll be missed from the women's side is uh, Ellen Faulkner. She uh, retired, yeah. took a position down in Australia and is down there. Uh, we've seen a number of fairly high profile bowlers either um, take new positions or retire like Karen Murphy and Joe Edwards, uh, just to name a yeah. few. Um, what has the impact of Ellen uh, not being on the team had uh, for you guys? I mean, you know, Ellen, Ellen and Chris are great friends of ours. And I think, you know, this, this move has been something that they've been hoping to, you know, they'd hope to do for a number of years. And, um, you know, from a personal level, we obviously miss them terribly um, because they're great friends, but, you know, we're still in touch and it's just, it was too good an opportunity for them to pass, you know, pass up. And it wasn't a bowls decision. It was a lifestyle decision. And, and obviously, you know, they both got great jobs there and, um, you know, yeah they'll they'll do amazingly well um and we're very jealous of them sunning themselves now also we've had storm eunice over here and yeah roofs are blowing off um but i think from you know from a bowls perspective um you know ellen's been an integral part of high performance bowls england since you know 2002 which was obviously her first commonwealth games and you know she's clearly one of the most successful female bowlers you know we've ever had in this country and she's she's just such a steady influence um you know you know you can rely on her she's 
she's just a lovely person um, and, uh, you know, an amazing friend and a great bowler. She's very loyal. Um, you know, you know that you can yeah, rely on her under tough situations. She never loses her head. And, um, you know, she's so experienced. Um, so from that perspective, it was a huge, you know, a huge loss for the team. But I think what it has allowed for is, you know, for someone else to be, you know, involved in the selection process and, you know, and, and be given an opportunity that perhaps wouldn't have. Um, and actually, I, I think, you know, our team is not... I don't think our team is necessarily worse off for it in terms of what our performance will be on the green um, because we've got enough time to obviously prepare, you know, prepare as a, a unit now. Um, but, you know, at the time, obviously, you know, you would have had her on the team sheet, you know, easily. And I think it just, um, you know, it was just a bit of a shock for everybody that obviously she wasn't, wasn't able to be involved. But, um, you know, I think we've, we've got, so much experience in our team I mean obviously Amy has come along that journey with Ellen and, and has played had obviously a, a couple of games break but that was personal choice she certainly would have been selected I'm sure if, if she'd made herself available um, obviously myself, Sean and Jamie Lee have uh, played in the game since 2010 and, and Sophie's been involved since Glasgow so you know it's not like we've um, we suddenly got someone who's very inexperienced you know in, in the squad we've, we're obviously very fortunate to, to have real strength and depth in our squad um, so yeah it's it was obviously a very sad moment for us all but I think um, um, you know, it's, it's yeah, given us opportunities to kind of look at, at what comes next and, and what we do moving forward as a team. Awesome. Um, I was when I was researching for this interview, um, looking at the uh, Bulls England national titles and in multiple disciplines, your name is peppered through uh, everything, either winning it or runner up. Um, how difficult is it to not only make the England nationals, but um, hit the final uh, so many times um it, you know it takes a lot of commitment i think because you know you're playing we're, we're in a big county so you know often even to get out of devon um you know the county that we live in we might be playing um you know four or five games to get out of our section and then you have like another three or four to get out of the county and that's before you you know even get to the national final so um but i think that always sets us up very well you know if we can actually get out of our county um then you know it sometimes isn't actually any harder at the finals um, because we've played some, you know, incredible players along the way to get there. Um, you know, just in our club, we've got, you know, multiple um, England international players. Um, so, yeah, sometimes just, you know, I'm looking at the draws for this summer, you know, some of my first rounds are against people that I play in the England team with. Um, so, um, so, you know, that certainly doesn't make it any easier. But, um, you know, we're very fortunate at our club, um, Kings in Torquay, to have, you know, some really amazing players which means that obviously in the team events we're we're really strong um and uh you know we've we've obviously been lucky enough um to to be, be able to qualify um you know qualify for competitions and then and manage to sneak a few titles as well but it's you know you you can't take any of these things for granted and i think particularly in outdoor bowls um you know quite often you're beaten by the green aren't you so you know there's never a, a sort of this the, well i mean sometimes there might be an on paper winner but it, it quite often doesn't go like that and i think um you know often you are playing against the green as much as you are the opposition so so, uh, which sometimes can obviously um, lead to results that perhaps weren't expected. So, you know, every time you are able to to win one of those titles, you just, yeah, thank, thank the Lord that you managed to find it on that day, really. <laughs> so um, both you and your husband, Jamie, are highly decorated. Um, just recently, um, Jamie took down another uh, World Bulls uh, tour title. Um one place that uh, on the national listing that I didn't see your name was the mixed pairs. Do you and Jamie ever play together? <laughs> um, so yes, we have done. Um, so once, yes. <laughs> one, one, the first, I think it was probably the, the first year Jamie moved down to Devon actually. And we thought it'd be a lovely idea, you know, to play in the mixed competitions together. And, um, I think if I'm correct in thinking, we did get to the quarterfinals and um, really we valued our marriage more than the title. So we, we decided that whilst it, you know, 
was a lovely idea. The reality of it perhaps wasn't for us. Yeah. <laughs> so bravo to any married couples that do play because, yeah. That's a brilliant um, it, answer. It's not for us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not surprised by that. Um, a lot of the married couples that I see play, um, either it's a struggle or they're really, really good together. Um, there's really no middle ground sometimes. So. No, no, no. We. Um, I think you're just too honest with each other. You know, there's so many things that you would never ever say to you know someone you play with normally or a friend that you play with that you definitely would say to your your partner. And um, yeah, it was. It was unpleasant. There was many a silent car journey on the way home after a game. <laughs> nice. um, so switching gears, uh, I, I noticed uh, some videos um, that you had online uh, advocating for more women uh, in sport and more women in, in lawn bowls. Um, lots of previous interviews uh, trying to break the stereotype of the old person game versus um, you know young people being in the sport. Um, so you seem to be uh, really, uh, over your career, trying to push uh, the fact that Bulls is for everybody, it's inclusive, it's accessible, yeah. um, you know, don't just think of it as, you know, older people dressed in white, uh, you know, yeah. having a, a stroll out on the green. Um, what do you personally feel um, needs to happen to uh, raise the profile of Bulls and, and get more, I won't say necessarily just younger people, but just more people in general involved in the sport? Um, I think, you know, so many, you know, on so many occasions, if you're involved in a sort of kind of open day down at your local club or, um, you know, you're, you're advertising the sport, you know, that as soon as you get people on the green, actually giving it a go, I've never, ever, ever in my, you know, life of getting new people on the green, ever heard anyone say that was really rubbish after they've had a go you know it's always the total opposite like oh god that's so much more fun than i thought or so much harder than i thought it would be and you know so i think if if we can find a, a way just to get people on the green really you know i think everything else after that kind of should be fairly easy because we all know you know we're all testament to that that once you start playing <laughs> you're absolutely hooked and yeah 23 years later i'm still you know still playing every day of the week in the summer um but i think it's just yeah it's just breaking down that that kind of um yeah stereotype perhaps that it's a slow boring game um and you know that that is going to take time because the reality is the majority of people that play bowls around the world are older people. You know, it's, it's a sport that younger people, it is a younger person's sport, but it's a sport that older people can play and are able to, you know, physically, perhaps they, they're not able to pursue the sports that they used to competitively when they were younger. So they turn to bowls because they still are competitive, but uh, yeah, not able to play hockey anymore or basketball, whatever, you know, it might be football. Um, and, and actually, you know, we've got thousands of bowls greens in our country and, you know, you can bet a lot of money that you go down to your local bowls green and there will be someone playing in, you know, brown shoes and, and full white gear and a tie. Um, and, it, you know, it is slowly changing. Um and I think it's, you know, it's changing for the better with, you know, colourful uniforms. And, you know, I think it has to start at the, at the grassroots level, um, you know, from the the perception side of things. Um, and, and also, I think, it, you know, there's a lot of onus on the national governing bodies to, to create, you know, marketing campaigns, which do break those barriers down, really. Um, you know, it, it very much is a kind of white middle class sport. Um, and, and actually, you do very, very rarely see any sort of ethnic minorities playing, um, you know, it, it often is yeah just just white people and i think it's it's such a shame because actually it is such an amazing sport that can bring so many communities together and it's so irrelevant you know where you're from what religion you are what your background is you know sport does bring people together and it's and that's not just bowls i think it goes across the board and i i just think for so long now there's been you know wasted opportunities really with with our game and um you know the commonwealth games is is really the only time every four years that anyone else who doesn't play bowls actually gives a crap about our sport um you know so we really do have to make the most of, of the opportunity when it comes around you know we we don't get this sort of multi multi-sport platform opportunity very often and um you know i just think it's it has been wasted in the past certainly in 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 great britain um 
and you know hopefully being a home games now um you know we've got the opportunity to to really promote the sport to to non-bowlers um you know we know bowlers will be watching the commonwealth of games um you know but what we want is is people that perhaps have bought tickets to see something else maybe coming in and thinking oh what's this you know this looks really good and you've got you know people from all different age groups in some funky kit and you know it's loud and, and it looks exciting and i think that's you know that's the side of bowls that we want people to see we don't want them to see the you know the dowdy older people in their whites um you know very sedate um you know in the local village green um moaning you know that they can't bend down um so yeah i think there's no easy answer it's 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 i think it's it the, there is has to be a long game and i think really you know it has to it has to start with you know people that are in you know high performance teams or, or international teams because you know we have an opportunity and a voice to be heard um to promote the sport and i think we've all got so much out of it um you know you do have to give back um you know the reason i'm sat here today is because people volunteered you know at my local indoor green and, and taught me how to play um and I'm totally indebted to, to well, Peter Bryant's name was. And, you know, I, I know that I'm indebted to him because he, you know, taught me what, what I know now and, and was the foundation to my goals career. So, you know, we've, we've, all of us have had support in some way or another over the years from volunteers in our sport and you know what little time spare time we do have, you know, in our, our busy personal lives. I think it's important. We, we try to give back really. Well said, uh, very well said. Um, <laughs> for those um that are looking up to you as a role model um uh probably a lot of female bowlers in in england as well um trying to make the national team looking at your success and saying you know i really want to do that i want to travel i want to uh compete at the commonwealth games um what kind of advice would you uh give to them I think where possible, you have to surround yourself with people that are better than you. Um, you know, I was really lucky early on in my career um, at the indoor green we played at, because that's where I started. Um, there was a lady called Cheryl Northall, and, you know, she'd won um, the World Champion of Champions and, and, you know, played for England for a number of years. And she kind of took me under her wing and played in a league with her. And I used to, like, polish everyone's bowls every end and line them up really neatly, um, because that's the sort of thing I was into when I was 10. Um, you know, and, and I was just so I just was so lucky to be surrounded by people that were just far superior to me on the bowls green and I learned so much from them um you know I think I actually manage our um under 31 junior team now and we've got you know we've kind of got like half our girls in our squad that are super competitive and already competing at a kind of county national level and then you've got like the other half of girls where there's there's so little pathway for them and actually they're not they don't have that desire you know they don't have the desire to win they're not entering in the you know the junior competitions they're not trying to play with people that are better than them and putting themselves in those positions where you know they're going to get better um and i think you know from my experience you know from how I kind of learned when I was younger I wanted you know, I wanted to play against people with people that were better than me because I wanted to get better myself you know I had that desire to learn and desire to win and you know the reality is I think if you don't have that um, it's not something you can teach um, but you know if, if you are really competitive and really keen to to get better then you know it does involve sacrifice and you know I think we were my brother and I were very lucky we had incredibly supportive parents who drove you know thousands of miles you know every year for us and getting up early on weekends and taking us to matches and you know I think it's very hard for young people to to be able to to play any sport really at a decent level unless you've got that support at home but you know if, if you do have that support and you know you're you're looking at you know England players and you know it's probably not not me you know other other women you know in our in our team um you know you have to if you want to be like that then you've got to surround yourself by yeah with people that that are really good players that you can learn from um and you have to be open to learning as well you know i think a lot of people don't perhaps take constructive criticism very well um it has to obviously be communicated in the right way and, and come from someone you respect but again you just have to surround yourself with, with people you do respect and, and want to learn from really i think you made an excellent point there about um uh, being open to learn. Um, as a, a coach myself, there's there are times where people come to you and say, um, I want to be able to draw better, I want to learn um, or fix my delivery or whatever it is. Um, but they really don't want to hear anything. 
So mm-hmm. uh, as much as they say they want to learn, they're not going to learn yeah. because they're just not open to it. So that's a really good point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, you touched on another point, um, that being family. We hear that a lot um, in our interviews, uh, especially of, of players that are really high up. Um, I see it in other sports as well, where um, you know, behind every really, really good player uh, growing up, there's parents that drive, take time out, take them to practice, take them to yeah. tournaments, all that kind of stuff. Um, now that you've got a family of your own, um, how important is family to your overall career? Oh, I mean, there's absolutely no doubt in Jamie or I's mind that without the support of our families that we would both be able to compete. Like it just it's not physically possible. Um, you know, we're we're very, very fortunate in that respect. And my parents actually live sort of twenty minutes away from us and um, you know, we're absolutely indebted to to their kind of childcare support, um, you know, to be able to play at this level. And um Jamie's family is still up in Norfolk, so they're sort of five hour drive away and you know, I know um, I know that they were they're so keen to help but obviously the distance makes it really tricky um but uh when when we we do compete in in Leamington um they'll all be there um you know so they'll they'll all be getting their fair share of Eliza <laughs> uh, toddler mayhem when um when we're when we're playing in Leamington but um yeah in terms of you know we've got yeah, as I said, sort of every other weekend we're going to be, you know, playing in, in something or other for the games. And then obviously, you know, alongside that, we've got all of our county and national competitions to try and fit in around that as well. So it's, um, yeah, it's going to, it is going to be a challenge. And I've only, I've, I've kind of tried to avoid looking at my diary for the summer um, for as long as possible, because I know it's going to be really hideous. Um, but I think, you know, we're, we're creeping into March now and, you know, um, it, I need to start sort of, yeah, sorting things out really. <laughs> Good point. Um, so my final question for you, uh, knowing that uh, uh, the 2022 games are, you know, the big ticket item on your calendar to say, Here's where I want to be. I want to get gold, um, achieving for the best. Um, fast forward past that. Um, what are your goals for the future in your Bulls career? Um, do you have anything that you want to do? Um, that's a yeah, that's a really interesting question. I think um, now we've got now we've got Eliza. I think that has obviously you know as it does with any parent. I think really changed our perspective on. Um, how we spend our our time really and i think you know we've given up a huge amount of time you know last summer and will do this summer to both have this opportunity to play so i think for sure with you know with something's going to have to give um you know after this summer i don't think it's going to be possible for us to kind of maintain for us to both maintain this this level of you know of playing so um you know that that's just the reality of the situation and i think um you know they she's two now and she's so much fun to be around and you know i know next summer's going to be you know different again and um you know we obviously both work as well so the the kind of thought that we could put ourselves and her and our families you know through this again um is is really tough i don't i don't think it's it's doable you know it's such a huge ask for our parents um to to have her you know and, and look after her on our behalf really as much as they they will be this year um so i think a break will probably be needed um after after this summer um and then what comes after that who knows really um you know we're both incredibly competitive people and um i don't think it's possible for us not to do not to play bowls um you know uh, because yeah we both really love it and for both of us it's a huge part of our social lives as well so you know it's it's very important but um honestly i yeah i i I don't know i think the commonwealth games obviously is the pinnacle of our sport so it's you know it's that's what we aim to and obviously i've been fortunate enough to you know for this to be um you know not not the first games i've played in um i've obviously i got a bronze in the world championships in in adelaide and i think um you know I'd, i'd love to do better um in the world championships um that that one's kind of been a bit of a bugbear for me really um that that i've i've not been able to do better than that but i think um yeah we'll just have to wait wait to see what happens you know every every year is a new year and um yeah who knows what's around the corner 
Um, so I lied. Uh, <laughs> um, talking about Liza, uh, I think I saw pictures of her out on the green rolling some bowls. Uh, is there yes. a, a future lawn bowler in, in your family? If we have anything to do with it, absolutely not, no. Um, she is going to be playing a money sport for sure. Um, I think bowls is literally the last last option. So we're, we're thinking, you know, neither of us are particularly tall. So, you know, netball's probably out, to be honest, because we're, yeah, neither of us are sort of six foot or even close. Um, so I have zero hand-eye coordination, but somehow managed to play bowls at a decent level, whereas Jamie actually is fairly sort of naturally good at most sports. So we sort of thought tennis, but that's unlikely. So we're, we're sort of gunning for hockey because that is a paid sport in this country. Um, Jamie was half decent at football, I think, when he was younger. So that there's possibilities there. Um, but yeah, I mean... Obviously, we will support her in whatever sport she wants to do. But, you know, we're, we're hoping for nice nursing homes, to be honest. So, um, you know, I think think hopefully she can she can play something that she makes a bit of money at. But really, you know, you just want your kids to, to be happy and enjoy themselves, don't you? So no doubt, um, you know, she will be spending some time around the bowl screens uh, during her, her childhood. Um, so it may well put her off completely. Who knows? <laughs> That's awesome. Um <laughs> So, Natalie, uh, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this has been an absolute pleasure. You've been uh, a wonderful guest. Uh, obviously, um, we've seen your career for some time, uh, seen you almost grow up in the sport, uh, so to speak. And um, on behalf of the Canadian Bowler and all the viewers, uh, just want to wish you all the, um, the best for 2022 and uh, the best of luck at the Com Games as well. Thank you so much, Daryl. It's honestly been a pleasure. And um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully um, I'll be able to have an interview after the games that I've, you know, holding holding a nice shiny medal. Um, but we will try our best. And yeah, thank, thanks so much again for having me. It's, it's been great. Awesome. Thank you very much. Yeah. Oh, we're back. I guess my thoughts will be lost forever. Uh, thanks, Daryl and Natalie, for that wonderful interview. That was great. It was uh pretty fun listening to some war stories and some of her history and all the things she's looking forward to in her, uh, her bowls career coming up. Um, not too, too much left to talk about. I did just want to say a uh, quick uh, shout out to Dom in the chat there, the writer for the, uh, uh, ins is it inside bowls magazine? Is that who he writes for Mike? I believe so. Yeah. Yes. Quick shout out to Dom. Um, but we did want to talk about the announcement of the uh, World uh, Indoor Bowls Championship. Is that the correct name? Uh, yeah, I guess that's what it would be. So they finally had a news release about it yesterday there. So that was um, good to see that there's actually an announcement because I think that event's just a couple weeks away now. So it actually was exciting that that's going to be happening. Um, I hope got, the players found out before we did, because that's not a whole lot of time to decide you're going to fly across the world. And like, it actually, if you look at the information, there's quite a few teams in it too, like um, a lot of countries that aren't traditionally playing in the um, World Bowls Indoor Championships. So like, it's going to be interesting to see all these different nations giving their getting their shot on the, the world stage. Like, I think there was a Hungary, Jamaica, some countries that you definitely don't traditionally see. Is um, um their go. Correct me if I'm wrong, but is would this be the first World Indoor Bowls Championship since the merger of World Bowls and the World Indoor Bowls Council? Mm. Or am I blowing smoke here? Because that could that could be why there's more teams. Yeah, I'm can can honestly tell you, I don't know if it was the first one since the merger, but it might be the first or second. Like I think the last one. Was I know one the thing. I know the youth the youth was World Indoor Bulls and World Bulls, I believe, but I don't know if there's been a major. Yeah. Anyways, I guess we could move on. Oh, Don Dom's correcting you in the chat. It's not World Indoor Bulls champ because that oh. was the the previous name. WIBC was the previous. Okay, I, I take it all back then. But yeah, never no. mind. Wanted to just highlight the, the Canadians in the field. Good luck to Hiren and uh, Bobby Jean. It's uh, crazy to think that they would have won, what, our 2019 indoor championship, whatever it was, like at the, the end of 2019 there, and they're now finally getting to compete. So good luck to them and anyone competing. We'll, we'll definitely have the results, and we'll pass it along as it happens. 
Perfect. Yeah, I don't think we have too much to cover today. That was a good interview there. We talked about the UBC, the British Isles, and a few things uh, when we started off the show today. So I think we're going to call it there. Um, Thanks, Mike, for coming in and hanging out with me today. Thanks again, Daryl, for that interview. Uh, If you guys missed any of the show today and you're interested in watching, uh, don't forget that we're available on all major podcast platforms, including uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Um, Hit that follow button down below. Um, just so you get any notifications whenever we go live. Uh, we've got some big things coming in the works. I promise it when I say it this time. Uh, and uh, I guess until next time, guys, I hope all your shots are touchers.